right, what's up, y'all? How you doing? Go on and have a seat. Have a seat. Man, it's good to be with you today. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Hey, I want to add my welcome, too, to those online. Thank you for joining us. Shout out to my little sister. It's your birthday, and I know you're watching, so happy birthday. Uh, so thank you for being with us. Hey, I also want to say, hey, Chesterfield County Jail, uh, it, the men and women, it's, it's an amazing to, to, do, to do church with you, to see what God is doing in and through you all. And so it's an honor. Uh, we're going to be with you guys in a couple weeks, so excited for that. And um, as you heard, we are in all 42 Department of Corrections throughout the state of Virginia. And so just a few weeks, I want to give a shout out to our Coffee Wood. Yeah, what the, come on, there we go, yeah. Shout out to the men at Coffee Wood. Uh, some of our team went there a couple weeks ago, and we saw 30 to 40 men stand up and make a decision for Jesus. So God's doing some awesome things. Proud of you men. Keep it up. Keep it up. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Jason. Uh, I get to be a part of this team. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, love what God's doing at the church. Love what's happening here. Love getting to serve with an amazing lead pastor, Pastor Brandon and Katie. Uh, it's just a great team. Uh, I get the privilege of being at our Scott's Edition location. And so today, Pastor Joel and I made a switch. So he's over there. I'm hanging out here. Uh, but I love what God's doing in the life of our church. And just last week, Serve Day, y'all. Serve Day was huge. Great job. You did an amazing you just went all out. The church showed up, over 30 projects. Uh, I think we had around 1,300 people volunteering that day. So that was just a huge day, a big day for the life of our church. So thank you so much. It truly was special. And you heard we have another big event coming up this week, Motion Conference. Very excited about that. Some of you are great. Hey, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, Motion Conference is huge. It's for our students and for our young adults. I'm, I'm really excited about it. This is only our, our second one, but God's hand, I believe, is on it, and it's, gonna, it's been growing, and it's going to continue to grow. I know the team has been praying, preparing for it, spending a lot of time getting ready. And so there's a lot of excitement for me, one, as a dad, having some of my kids a part of it, but also as a pastor, having our, our students and our young adults uh, a part of it. So there's that excitement. But honestly, it also stirs me up in a way uh, because I believe that there is an all-out war for this generation. All-out war. And not just this generation. The, the enemy has been trying to come after our kids since the beginning. So parents and as friends and as a church, I believe it's time for us to fight. We need to fight for a generation. That's what I'm going to talk about today. We need to fight for a generation. So I thought we'd take a few minutes and talk about, hey, why do we do something like a motion conference? Why do we put so much effort into it? Why do we put so much time into it? Why, why, why do we do those things? And, and then hey, how does this apply to us at home? What does it mean for us as parents? What does it mean for us as individuals? And so what does that look like? What are we a part of? What are we doing? I don't know if you believe this or not, but I personally believe that the war between generations uh, has, has been since the Garden of Eden right, against the devil and our kids. A lot of you know that in Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. You can read the creation count in chapter 1. And, and in, verse, in chapter 2, you see the enemy trying to come and pull people away from God. So whenever Adam and Eve, right, they bought into the lie and they did, they, they were deceived. God got angry and he cursed the serpent. He, he cursed the devil. And I think what God spoke in that moment is, is prophetic for what's to come. I think it's a prophetic curse even. And that's in Genesis it says, and I will put enmity, I'd never say that word right, but you know what I'm trying to say, between you and the woman, and it's between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike 
his heel. In other words, he's saying, devil, there is going to be wars that are going to take place between kids and you. And you need to know this. You need to be warned that they are going to crush your head. If we wanted another version for the sermon, we could have called it like devil crushers. But I didn't know how we take that. So that's why we're going to say we're going to fight for a generation. And I really believe that the prophetic calling on generations, on our young people, is that they're not to be statistics. They're not to be those that that fall away. I believe that God has been and is raising up a generation to crush the devil's head. But because that's true, the devil's like, okay, that's fine. If that's what you say they're going to do, I'll stop them before they even get to me. Think about this. I, I believe that's why you see it all throughout generations. Moses' day. He knew a deliverer was coming. He, he knew it. He didn't know who it was. He just knew it was coming, so he put it into the heart of Pharaoh. Kill all the kids. Throw them into the Nile. There's no telling how many babies were murdered then. Then in Jesus' day, he knew a Savior was coming. He, he knew that there was some potential in a young seed that someone was coming who would crush his head. And he said, that's fine. And he put it into the heart of Herod. Murder all those babies. I believe that that's why you see the slaughter of the innocent today. And that's why we need to fight for generations. We need to do it. But I also believe we we need to fight for our marriages. And God is fighting for our marriages to stay together. And I know many of us have gone through some difficult times. There there could be divorce, broken homes. But listen, I'm going to be very clear on this. God is the God of second chances. He's the God of second chances. So be forgiven and let's move on. Let's, Let's be better. Okay? But God says in Malachi that he hates divorce. That's strong, right? Strong saying that. But, but he's saying this for a reason. In fact, it's because what's going on between you, sir, and your, and your wife, and between you, ma'am, and your husband, it's not just about you guys. It's about your kids. It's about the people around you. The devil wants that trickle-down effect to mess everything up. Whatever's going on between you, he wants to make it where it affects your kids, it affects your family, and those around you. That's why Malachi says, I hate divorce. And then he says, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. Now this this word here is, is the same Hebrew word that we just read in Genesis talking about offspring. It actually means the seed, right? These are the, this is the offspring that he said was going to crush the devil's head. That word, their seed, the potential, saying that there's great potential. And the enemy is trying to create something in the family to destroy that seed so it never reaches its potential. This is why it is so important that we fight for our kids, that we fight for families. It's why raising kids, it's so important. It's also so hard, and it's such a challenge, and it's not easy. Can I get an amen, parents? Man, it's hard. You know my wife and I, Brandy, we're at this interesting stage in parenting. We've got three kids. Our oldest son is Jonah. He's 21, graduated from college, living in California. Our daughter, Jada, she's 18. She's headed to Liberty in like three weeks. Actually, all right, there we go. They're actually both with me today, so shout out to my two oldest. And then uh, we've got a five-year-old named Gracie. Pray for me, Lord. And so it's very different parenting with these three. The older two, um, now it's more of conversations, like listening, like when, like not necessarily putting on dad's advice, but saying, you know, when they ask for dad's advice, then dad gives it. 
Not just always saying, well, this is what you should do. Like, it's more of that kind of conversational stuff. Gracie, it's very different, right? Now, then here's the thing is, the older two, there's been some hiccups. They haven't been perfect, but, but they've been pretty good. And so honestly, thinking about Gracie starting over, I've honestly been kind of nervous. I'm a little afraid. I'm like, man, don't mess this up. Like, you got good odds so far, right? And now I've got this another opportunity where we're like, man, this is a lot of pressure. I'll just give you an example. Just the other day, I was disciplining her. Some stuff had happened. And uh, she was getting in bed. And, like, she, I was getting ready to leave. And she's, like, saying, she goes, Daddy, you're breaking my heart. And I'm like, oh, you're five. You're killing me already. This is, I'm in for it. But we have been in a fight for our children as parents. And, and that's honestly why we do something like Motion Conference. It's not to have a big event. It's because we are fighting for a generation. We are fighting for your kids as well. I'm, I'm serious now. And the reason we put it right before they go back to school is because we want people to be excited, to be people passionate, right, on fire for God. We want people to be so pumped up that they are ready to go bear hunting with a switch. They're ready to take on the world, right? They know what's up. And I think about the struggles that I had growing up, and it was tough, right? There was problems, difficulty. I can look back now, and, and I can see how the devil was constantly making a play for me, and there was sin. The Bible says sin is, is crouching at your door. It's always knocking, right? You ever felt like that? You're trying to live for him, and you feel like there's just sin constantly knocking. Hey, come on. I'm over here. And now I've watched my kids go through it at a very different level. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about here, but when I used to want to sin, I had to go looking for it. I had to, like, find it. I had to go search for it. Now our kids, they got it. They can carry it around in their pocket, they can hold it in that little screen in their hand. They, they can take the world. They can take sin, whatever you want to say, 24-7 access. They can take it wherever they go. And so I've been feeling like we've been fighting for them, fighting for them to serve God. And now I look at Gracie and I think, man, what's it going to be like when she's a teenager? What's she going to face? And if you're at that stage, you, you can sit around. You can think about enough that you can get yourself worked up. You're like, I'm buying 15 acres and we're preppers now. No more... <clears throat> you're never going to see anybody again. But, you know, it, I, I realized this just in praying and even just want to share this with you parents. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're not called to have fear. Listen, God has you with your kids for a reason, for a purpose. You are there to, to love on them and raise them up. So don't be afraid. Don't fear. We're going to pray over our kids. We're not going to be afraid of the devil and his plans to try to steal my kids, your kids, the kids of this church. Nehemiah says this, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Let's say this together and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. We need to fight for our kids. We need to fight for our students. That's why we have a student ministry. We have a young adult ministry. These things are very intentional. You know, youth ministry has really evolved over the years because actually before the 1940s, there wasn't even a youth group. It wasn't around. But a man decided, hey, the church isn't providing this, so I think this is something I need to do. And he created something called Young Life, which many of us have heard of that. One of the first youth groups, youth ministries, where people that would come and he'd have them come to houses and groups and right, just being very intentional, giving them something for them. And throughout the 50s and 60s, youth groups started, those things started happening. But what we saw was, 
was youth groups were very separate from the church. It was his own thing. Like you couldn't get students and young adults to, to go to church. So we kind of created these services just for them. And my wife and I, we actually did this. We, we kind of started a ministry in 1998 uh, in student ministry, not by on purpose. It was by accident, really. And uh, but in 1998, there wasn't any Internet, really. And so you couldn't like just get online and see what's good to do or what's a what's what's something fun to do. So we like came up with whatever we could. Like we would do like a um, a car stereo contest for our city, and we divide everybody up. We do like these BMX and like skate competitions, and then we were super smart because then we say, "All right, we're going to announce the winner. Why don't you come on inside the church?" And then we're like, "Hey, before we announce the winner, I want to share a little something." Right? Give them the gospel presentation. They're trying to, get, you know, we, we were doing everything we can. Uh, to get people in the church, uh, we we man, we cranked the music up so loud, like it was like you were like wow, my ears hurt after that. Like we were doing whatever we could. We we took the we took the song "Lord, I Lift Your Name on High" and put it to Weezer's "Sweater Song." <laughs> you talk about a banger, Ryan. That was a banger right there. We might have to bring that one back. If you think about it long enough, you're going to get it. You're going to figure it out the song in your head. But man, we did whatever we could to try to get students to come to church. But church has changed. In a good way, because the need that we were trying to fill, it, it isn't there anymore. Because now, and I can say this proudly about the chapel, we have a church that our students and our young adults want to be a part of. Yeah. They, they want to serve. They want to lead. <coughs> Excuse me. So how do we fight for this generation as parents, as grandparents, as family, as a church family? Know this. We're all in this together. And so I'm sure that there is more than just four. But I want to share with you four principles that I think we can use. Four principles I think that can help us, whether we're a parent, whether we're not. It can help us individually. It can help us if we're young, old, anywhere in between. It does not matter. Some of us are going to see these and be like, man, I should have used these a long time ago. But, but you say, like, man, I need these in my life. But here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Right relationships. One of the most important decisions of your life are the friends that you choose. That's good. Who you choose to be in your life. And I'll be very clear about this. You, right now, are the sum total of all your relationships up to this point. All of them. That's why you can't name the last ten sermons you've heard. But I bet you can name ten people that have affected your life in good or bad. Your, your life is not shaped by a set of information. Your life is shaped by your relationships, the people around you. That's why we are a church of small groups. We, we want to do more than just a, a big gathering where you can stay anonymous, where you can sneak in and sneak out, right? We want you to be a part of these small groups so you can choose your friends carefully, where you can be in a close proximity with them and learn and grow. That's why this has been a big deal with, with raising our kids, is right relationships. Proverbs says a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. We love to look in the mirror. We love to see what we look like. But if you stopped and looked around at your friends, that's what you really look like. Some of you are all like, boy, I need to upgrade. <laughs> Looking around right now, you're like, oh, boy, all right. You know, it, it's, it's your friends. It, that's an important decision. And this is why we will fight for our kids. Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You get your kids around a bunch of fools, you get a call from the police. That's the Jason Nicholas Street version. That's what happens right there. Right? Every time I got in trouble growing up, it was not because I was hanging out with the wise. 
I was doing nothing wise. I was hanging out with a bunch of fools. I was the fool. I was probably the leader of the fools sometimes. Look, I, I was in fifth grade and I was with a group of friends and they were like wanting to go into this old abandoned hotel. And I remember thinking, I don't know if that's a good idea. I didn't say anything. Everybody wanted to do it. So we went into that old abandoned hotel. Guess who got picked up and taken to the police station in fifth grade? All of us. We didn't have cell phones, so we had to go and call our parents from the police station, asking our parents to come and pick us up. I was hanging out with a bunch of fools, y'all, like, started in fifth grade. It was crazy. What, what happens when we hang out with the wrong people? Every time the police have been involved in my life, I was not with the wise. Just saying that. Listen, I didn't fight a lot of battles with my kids growing up, but I was willing to fight this battle when it comes to friendships. I could say things like, hey, I know your friends. And you're not going over there. You're not hanging out with them. Man, you don't want to be in that world. It's a, it's a world of craziness, and you don't, you don't need this. And so what we do is say, hey, why don't you bring them to our world? Why don't you bring them over to our house? Why don't you bring them to church? They can spend the night on Saturday night. We'll all go to church together. Right? Tell them to come to Motion. Come to, come to Wednesday night. Listen, young, young people, you might, be having this, you might have had this just last night with your parents, wanting to go hang out with somebody, and they said it was a bad idea. This is important. This is a big deal because you will be shaped by these people. The people you're spending time with, the people you're hanging out with. Many of you have heard this phrase, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future. My life was radically different when I got around the right people. I, I, growing up, I was around a bunch of fools and I got in trouble. And then I got around the right people after I gave my life to Jesus. I remember hanging out with Chris Wilkins. Josh and Ben Walker, they're brothers, right? Daniel, being around my, my youth pastor, John Sapp, I, around my grandfather, godly people, godly friends who pushed me towards doing great things for God. My future changed. And guess who didn't have any more run-ins with any more trouble after that? This guy. Because it was all about who I was hanging out with. So I can't say it enough to students and adults. It goes the same for us. You're never too old to not be thinking this way. You will become the people you hang out with. This is why we do small groups with our students and with our, with our um, young adults. It's where we can get people around a bunch of friends and, and they can have positive influence with each other. And these small group leaders, all they are fighting for a generation. They are people that believe in a generation. I'll take it a step further. Not only uh, being in a small group, but, but I think the best decision that we can make for our kids is go to church. Now, I know you're like, I'm in church right now. What are you telling me this for? But think about it. it. Not just when we feel like it, but we need to be in church. We need to be a part of it. And it sounds very self-serving coming from the guy on the stage saying, come to church. But you need this. We all need this. It says this in Psalms. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. What it's saying is it's being planted, being committed, committed will bring good. They will grow and they will flourish. You're making a commitment that I'm going to go to church, that I'm going to raise my kids in the house of the Lord. And so what happens when we do this? It says they will steer, still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. That's what I want my kids saying. That's what I want your kids saying. That's what... Our students, I want to be saying that he is my rock. And I'll say this to, to young people. When you make the right decisions, when it comes to relationships, you get in a small group, you, you start to serve. Watch what happens in your life. Here's the second one. 
God-given design. God-given design. Now, everyone is living a design right now. Uh, you're, you're living your life right now based on a set of beliefs. And for, for many of us, uh, we, we don't have the right information about ourselves. It's, it's been shaped too much by your mistakes, by your past, by your problems, by bad relationships. And so you're living out a script that's not God's script. You're, you're in this play called life and you're living it out, but you're playing the wrong part in the play because it's not God's script. One of the greatest gifts that, that we can give you is to help you understand what God designed you to do. God has a plan for your life and it's better than the one that you have for yourself. It is. It's, it's really true that there is a script, a God-given design, and one of the best gifts that I can give my kids is not putting them all through the exact same school, the exact same everything, you know, this, 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 because they're, they're different. God made them differently. God wired them differently. He created them differently. They're all very different individuals, and they don't need to be good at everything. They just need to be good at one thing and to support their mom and dad for the rest of their life. Come on, somebody. They each have a design, and I have to look at them that way. You know, if you have multiple children, more than one kid, you get this. You've got the one child that, like, loves school. Like, homework's a breeze. It's always easy, right? You're never having to do that stuff. And then you have another child who's like, it's 7 p.m., and they're like, i got a project due tomorrow. <laughs> How many parents got some good grades? Come on. Sometimes I'm like, just give me your homework. I'll do it for you, right? But, but you get, because God has wired them differently, made them differently. But for a lot of us, there's a, a voice that's running around in our heads. That There's the opinions of people that are around you. But, but I want you to know this, it's, it's not God, right? You, you need to know what, what God is saying. I'll say it this way. Knowing God's purpose silences people's opinions. People have some opinions, don't they? We do. We're just not trying to admit it right now. We've got lots of opinions, but when we know God's purpose, it's going to silence those opinions. It's going to keep those things. And one of the greatest things that we can do is discover what it is that we're fighting for, why you're on this planet. You know, there's an interesting verse in Acts that, that really helps with this. And it's Paul. He's actually talking uh, to some very intellectual people, and he's been trying to convince them that they need to serve God. They haven't been worshiping a real God. They've actually been worshiping what was called the unknown God. And he's like, hey, listen, you need to serve the real God. And this is his argument. He says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. He said, I'm gonna, so some of you, I'm going to put you in the 1500s. Some of you, let's, let's do the 1600s. Some of you, I want to put you in 2023. He did that intentionally, not when you live, but where you live. Think about this. God chose you to live in 2023 in good old Virginia. How about that? He did. He chose you for that. And just think about that. Could it be that God actually picked me to live here and now? Does he have me here for a purpose? There must be a reason. So why would he do that? It's the next line in the verse. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God put enough purpose inside of you, enough, I wonder if life matters. He put enough, but he didn't give us the answers. What he did is saying, hey, you've got to come to me to talk about it. 
You, you've got to come to me. I, I wrote the book on your life, and so if you want to know more, then you need to come to me. You're not going to get those answers unless you seek me. When you, you'll seek me and you'll find me, and you'll discover that I'm not very far. He's closer than you think he is. Your life won't make sense until you talk to the God who wrote the book on your life. And if you want life to make sense, then we need to get close to God. You got to find God's design. That's why we put so much energy into growth track. Step one and step two, you can learn about your design. You can learn why you were created. You can learn what you have purpose for. So parents, grandparents, church family, man, one of the things that we can do, the best gifts that we can do is one we can teach them about right relationship decisions. And then we can help them know why they're on this planet with God-given design. And here's the third one, something we can do. And that's others first. Others first. Man, this is a tough one. If there's anything that slaps the world in the face, it's others first. We are a selfie generation, right? Y'all take selfies, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. We're always taking them. You got to have up the right angle. I learned this. I got daughters. You hold it up high. You know, when I, a few years ago, people did the duck lips. Do you guys still do that? The peace signs? Whatever it is, you know, we, we've got these things where we take pictures of ourselves. Right? We love selfies, but we're, we're obsessed with self. But what happens is when there's a generation that is obsessed with self, they feel entitled. They think they are owed something. And so parents, one of the greatest principles that you could ever teach your, your kids and, and students, I, I want to teach you this right now, is that we are to live our life with others first. We're to live it with others first. Philippians it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Consider everyone else is better than you. And then it goes on to say this, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. And this is because we are naturally selfish. Don't believe me? Go visit the toddler room for like five minutes right over there. You will see it live and in action. You know, when... Jonah and Jada were younger. We spent a little time. Uh, we spent three months in Thailand serving this missionary family. And they had four kids. And we really learned a lot about parenting. And we just we learned a lot in those moments, just the way they were parenting their kids, just watching, observing, and the things that they taught us as well, too. Um, and so just in the concept of teaching others first, one thing we did um, is they're teaching us how the kids could interrupt us when we're having a conversation. You guys might have heard of this before. I recently heard it's called the interrupt rule. Um, but what that means is if I'm in a conversation with somebody and, and one of my kids has something they want to tell me, they would come up and put a hand on me somewhere, right? It could be a leg, arm, whatever. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And we taught them that. That way, one, it's not them coming up and interrupting, right? That's rude. It's disrespectful. They're saying that they're better than that person. But also, the same goes for my child. Like, if I just completely ignore them, I'm being disrespectful to them, so I'm, I'm showing that, you know, I care. But what that hands means is saying, hey, dad, when you get a second to pause, I got something I want to say. So usually I touch my hand to them too, to know I saw it. And so just a few weeks ago, even Gracie's the only one doing this now. My other two are a little too old to do this. It's kind of weird. Um, we're, we're in the lobby at the church and I'm having a conversation with somebody and Gracie comes up, puts her hand on me. And so I, you know, I put my hand on her to know what she knows. And then when I got right, I was like, hey, can we just pause this conversation real quick? Uh, my daughter wants to tell me something. Well, just hold her right here. Like, Gracie, what's up, girl? And she's like, Daddy, I go to the dentist tomorrow. <laughs> she's learning, all right? We're working on it. She needs Jesus. But I'm like, 
that's awesome. Thank you for being respectful. That was so kind of you. And then she runs off, right? So we're still working on it, still figuring it out. But, but we're trying to teach. We've always been trying to teach our kids how do we put others first. So if you go through life and you make it all about you, I believe that you're going to have a miserable life. It also could create a lonely life, right? You could possibly run off all your friends. But if you start making your life about others, you will have an incredibly happy life. Incredibly happy. In fact, scientists and doctors have even proved that it is good for you. In the 80s, they coined the term helpers high. Have I heard that before? They say that people that live a life that is others first actually live a longer and have better health. That's pretty good. That's a diet plan right there. I'm going to sign up for that one, right? Albert Einstein, he said it this way. He said, only live a life for others. Only a life lived for others is a life worth living, right? So if you served at, at serve day, we, we served others. Man, I got to see so many of you. Man, you were sweaty. You are just covered in dirt, right? You stunk because I was there. But you were so happy, right? You were so excited. There was something about doing that, about putting that effort for other people, making a difference, that it wasn't about us, that it was about others. It impacts you. It changes you. So what do we do? How, how are we fighting for a generation? You know, we got to choose those, gener- choose those relationships carefully. We've we, we, we got to know why we are on this planet. We've got to know our God-given design, our purpose. We're going to live with others first. I actually do want to shout out our, our students and, and young adults. We've got around 260 of them that serve on a Sunday at church. That's pretty good. All, all together, so between all our campuses. So kudos to you all. So weekend services, we've got 260 volunteers. That's, that's pretty amazing to do that. So you guys, are, you guys are living that out. And so here's the last one. It, it probably should have been the first one, but I want to give it to you last and i think this is a a big one this is an important one and that's teaching this generation even this is for us as well authentic faith authentic faith now obviously this suggests that there is an inauthentic faith there is jesus spoke about it There, there would be a generation of people who would honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. They'll sing the songs. They'll read the scriptures. They'll go to church, but their hearts are from far from me. This might be some of you today. You might have grown up just going through the motions. You you grew up worshiping him in vain and maybe even following teachings, but never knowing the person behind the teachings. We talked about this just a few weeks ago, but Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Jesus isn't a religion. He's a person. He's someone to be encountered. And parents, you don't have to do it perfectly. Honestly, we can't. But what we can do is model what it looks like to love God. Not out of a duty, but because you are genuinely in love with God. And maybe us as as parents, as adults, even if we don't have kids, if we're talking about impacting a generation, maybe we need to stop even in this moment and ask ourselves, do I have an authentic faith? Am I really living my life for him? Because we have to model through the good times and through the tough times. I've had to apologize to my kids many times to say, hey, I'm sorry, dad didn't get it right. And then we walk through what we were going to do to make it right. We have to be authentic. I, I had people in my life. My grandfather served in World War II. He wasn't a perfect man, but he modeled this well. When I think of authentic faith, this is who I think of. He was a great example 
of living that out. He loved his family. He loved people. He passionately pursued Jesus. He led well. And church, that's what we need to do. We need to realize how much of an example we are to the generations below us. No matter what age, you are impacting a generation. When I gave my life to Jesus, it wasn't because someone preached well or that I was at the right church. Honestly, don't even really remember the sermon, but I remember seeing teenagers excited about Jesus. Like they really loved him. Like they were reading their Bible. They're, they're writing in their Bible. I'm like, you are going to go to hell because you're writing in your Bible. I didn't know you could do that. And they were, they were excited. They, they were passionate. They, they were believing in God. And I was like, man, I want that. Like, this is different. Like, I'm realizing these are the wise people, right? I wanted that. I wanted to be a part of that. And there was a service that we had. I went to a student weekend, kind of like motion conference thing. We had a service that night, and they talked about making a decision for Jesus, and everyone had left, and I stayed. I stayed in this place by myself for quite a few hours, really wrestling, honestly wrestling with God, because I knew if I was going to make a decision that I had to go all in, because I'm an all-in guy, and I'd been all-in for the world and for myself. I'd been selfish and living my own life, and like this is the point where I had to say, okay, do I want to do this? Because I don't, I don't want it to be fake. I don't want it to last a few weeks. Like I want this to be forever. I want this to be real. And I'm here counting up the cost that I'm going to give up. But then I know, like, Jesus forgave me. He, he died for me. Like, he's, he's made me new. And then I realized that, man, he gave up way more than I did. And thank God that that day, 26 years ago, man, I, that decision, that moment, changed my life forever. It changed it. Like, in a huge way, I, flee, I believe that I was, like, radically saved. But a huge part in that was seeing others love Jesus. People having an authentic faith. Guys my age saying, hey, man, I'm going to live my life in purity. I, I'm, I'm going to live for Jesus. Hey, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. Man, I'm going to go to church. I'm going I'm to serve. And I remember just being like, yo, that's what I want. Like, there's something different about you all, and I want that. Being around those people changed everything. I asked some of our students, even just about Motion Conference last year, and a few people I talked to kind of had almost a similar answer where, some of the biggest impacts was the environment, seeing the people, seeing students, seeing people their age pursue Jesus, seeing the people that they go to school with excited about the school year to, to, to do life together, to grow together. It was that environment, that those moments worshiping God. And I believe that that's going to happen this week. We're going to see students come from all over. Remember, see volunteers. Some of y'all are going to be volunteering. And you're going to be like, Jesus, come on, I'll take it, Right? This is going to be a week where, where students, young adults, encounter God in a big way, where they'll be able to look back and say, man, summer of 2023 changed everything for me. That was a huge impact in my life. We need to fight for this generation. You don't have to be a parent to fight for the generations. You don't have to have any kids. doesn't matter what age. But we need to do everything we can to win this generation for Jesus. And we're going to. We're going to help them make right decisions. We're going to help them see their God-given design. We're going to help them live a life not focused on themselves, but others. And then we're going to live out an authentic faith that says, God, we are so in love with you. Can I pray for us? I want to pray for our emotion conference. God, just thank you for what you're going to do uh, this week, how you're going to move in the, the lives of so many young people. You're going to move in the lives of, of all ages. 
And I believe they're going to do something big. And so, God, I just pray that it's, it's a strategic time where we've got hundreds of people coming to be a part of this. And it's going to change this generation. God, it's going to change the places they go back to, their schools, their homes, the people that are around them. God, they're going to counter you in a mighty way. And we thank you for that. While your heads are bowed, if you're here today and you say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure I have an authentic faith. I've gone through life going through the motions. It's been with my lips, but it's not in my heart. Maybe you've never been a Christian or maybe you grew up in a, in a home where, where you knew about it, but you never really accepted him. It's, it's not really been for you. Or maybe you have been, been a Christian and you feel like you're far away. I, I want to pray for you in this moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. But if that's you today, if you're saying, hey, I need to make a decision for Jesus, I need, to, I need to have authentic faith, or I've been away, I need to come back, would you, without hesitation, just slip up your hand? No one's looking, just so I can pray for you. Yeah, we got hands going up all over. Amen. Amen. So wherever you're at, just, you can say this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I need you. Today, I give you my life. I give you everything. I believe that you, Jesus, rose from the grave you have forgiven me of my sins from this day forward I will follow you with all my heart thank you for setting me free in Jesus name I pray amen amen church can you just take a moment and celebrate we had so many people making decisions um, man that's good it's awesome amen amen Hey, listen, if that was you today, if you made a decision uh, for Jesus, would you do me a huge favor? Just put it on the connection card. We'd love to be able to reach out with you, talk to you, uh, follow up. We're family, and so we want to do this together. Um, so you can do that and stop by the Next Steps area and drop it off. Would you guys stand up with me? We're going to go into a song. And hey, I just want to encourage you, if parents, if you have not gotten your students, young adults signed up, uh, now's your chance. If your friends, if your kids hang out with a bunch of fools, just sign them all up. And we'll take care of it for you. We'll do it. So make sure you're signed up. It's going to be a great conference. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, for who you are, how you care for us. God, let us walk out of this place changing a generation. And let it start with us with authentic faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you.